Well, hello there. Welcome to Buddy's Owner, Arizona Schnoodle Walks. And uh, it's been a while, I don't know, a week, maybe more. And uh, probably a lot's happened. It's 50 degrees in Arizona on this February 16th, 2020. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know exactly when I last podcast and, and never worry whether I do a podcast or not, buddy is getting walked. So if you're turning, tuning in just to make sure buddy gets his walk. And it's been a week since you've since you've uh, seen a podcast from me. Well, no worries. Bud is always getting his walk, and he had his teeth brushed last night. And it's Sunday, and um, we'll probably get a bath today. So there's the. Proverbial gate closing sound. <laughs> Maybe this is Mr. Rogers Neighborhood <laughs> podcast without being, you know, without all the supporting staff. Yeah, my, my supporting staff does a great job. They're awesome, the supporting staff. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I'm an emotional person, right? So if you enjoy listening to a moody person up and down, um, you're, you're in the right place. So what's going on? It's uh, what time? Of day? It's a morning. 50 deg- I already told you it's 50 degrees. It's nine o'clock on uh, Saturday morning. It's Sunday morning, Sunday, Sunday. And the wife has gone off to the 1850s denominational church, the church that combined the greatest of American history, Christianity and slavery. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that should be heard with the deepest sense of sarcasm she could possibly come up with so yeah she's there no argument just she's coming but i can't go because i get triggered triggered yeah it's not it's probably not a healthy situation if you go to a place that is representing god the living god and there they can't speak for 20 30 minutes without triggering me yeah triggering me so yeah there's something wrong with me i suppose is it wrong with me or just i'm hyper sensitive it's probably the hypersensitive thing and most of the triggers just go right over everybody else's head they just 
go along with it. And that's fine. Like the, the latest trigger was the message on adoption and talking about how we virtue signaling us that we should all adopt kids. So let's talk about it for 40 minutes. And now, well, we're in church, so and I, and I don't mind the subject, right? I think adoptions are great. But here we gather under the, I think the word is pretense. The pretense of, of having some spiritual insight. But instead we get kind of a live infomercial or pitch to consider adopting kids. And why? Well, we have a few testimonials, you know. Other people have adopted some kids. So, and to, since it is church, you know, we gotta, we gotta have a little verse that goes along with it. So let's look up in the Bible. We'll just Google it or search. Oh, adoption. Oh, yeah. Oh, Galatians 4. Yeah. Paul's trying to encourage the connection between Gentiles and the Jewish people, because that's the earlier, one of the earliest challenges was how Jewish believers would integrate with Jewish believers. And is it really one faith? Is it really one one family now? Is that really the case? So Paul's using an analogy of, well, it's like adoption. You know, you're not, you're not biologically a Jew, but you know, we'll we'll adopt you in. You're adopted in. You're adopted. In. Yeah. So there's like deep theological meaning, symbolism. But the same people that told me to, that the elders are here to protect us from false teaching blatantly just stand up there and make the connection between adoption and 2020 today current day yeah let's let's uh let's make the connection with galatians 4. so yeah that triggers me yeah and it should trigger everybody but it just goes over over the head so i'm the sensitive one and am I, I'm, I'm uh, beyond outrage or beyond ranting. And the natural thing is like, well, why go? And I don't, I don't. But the magic, the magic of podcasting, the magic of video, you know, the, ma- the magic of, hey, wait, we, and it's ironic. It's like, we have the message we have this awesome message, so let's put it out there. So I guess if I was looking from scratch, starting from scratch, looking for a church, that's the thing to do. Like, what what message? How does that resonate with me? Right? And I would say, well, now in 2020, with my current beliefs and faith and things, I'd say, like, well, that's not a place for me. So. 
I don't I don't uh, appreciate a message of 30 or 40 minutes message. I don't mind it if you want. Okay, we're going to talk about adoption and how great adoption is. But don't try to like bring in Bible verses, plucking out plucking out Bible verses on adoption. And on the one hand, it kind of angers me, right? Because I mean, this is a seminary graduate and who's got a calling to preach the wood. <laughs> and I chuckle because that, how, that it could be probably nothing further from accurately representing what Paul was intending in Galatians 4 than to pluck that word adoption and just slap it on a 40-minute, 30 to 40-minute treatise about how awesome adoption is. And it is awesome. So just leave off the verses, people. Just if you want, if you want to do it, fine. But just don't slap verses on there. I mean, I mean, the better verses would be about loving people and loving kids, loving children. And God does want us to love kids. But don't, don't pull a word and and do that. And yeah, I'm sensitive. Anyway, so what else? Uh, this week, I'm uh, on the book. On the book. Doing the book. Suppose it's no surprise that there are not a lot of people writing books. There's more now. And there's probably a, a mad rush to get a book out there. And I want a good book. I don't want just, you know, and I don't know how to do it. Got a message. What is the, the message is walking in the spirit. So I would do the, the way I would do adoption. It's like, hey, if God's calling you to adopt kids, come talk to us later after church. We'll, we'll talk to you. There. There's how it should be done in the church. One minute. You know, not 30. Because realistically, you know, if you think sales funnel, right? Sales funnel, funnel. Three, four hundred people sitting there listening to 40 minutes. Which is kind of a pitch for adopting kids. And did we go to church? Are we going to church for pitches? Virtue signals, right? Those aren't fun. We get enough pitches. We get plenty of pitches and virtue signals. Just by opening up your inbox these days. So, uh, yeah, yeah. That would be my commentary. See that? I don't get to uh, comment. I'm like, so, so uh, you're going to, it's your turn to, we want to do this, you know, weekend, you know. Uh, uh, let's see. What do you what do you plan on saying? You know, like you gonna? Uh, no, nah, I, I would. I would. I get what you're saying, but I wouldn't go with Galatians four. You know, that's my input. 
but I don't get any input, so. And you probably don't either. So, you just go and listen. And I suppose that's where we're at, is just my expectations have been set too high. <laughs> that's where they are. Yeah, yeah. So writing, 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 writing. So I got, like, it looks like the way the document, these aren't going to be book pages. I think Word document pages are probably 2x. So if I, I think I have 130 Word document pages. So I think that might turn into 260 book pages just because the way printing is and the way formatting and things like that. So I'm, but I'm, I'm going to use Word pages. So the to, that's right at 130. It was about 125. And I'm a little concerned because I have added. But maybe that's what needs to be happening. So there was some deletions in the developmental edit with comments like explain more about why I'm making reference to certain scriptures and things. So I had to add some things, right? That's probably natural. But I really don't know what I'm doing, right? But I also, I think I might be doing some copy editing as I do this too, which means I think I noticed this guy's smart. The guy that's doing the development edit has done, that's what his expertise is. So he probably, and he knows he's going to do a copy edit. So he probably didn't bother making a lot of comments. But as I read through it, I'm picking them up. I'm, I'm making some changes already. Tweaks. But the main thing is to get the developmental, the big picture. The big, what's the big picture here? and How to keep a flow of reading. So, yeah, you get to listen in on a writer's journey. I guess I wouldn't. If I was planning on writing a book, I'm not sure I would listen to me. Um, because I'm just figuring out. I mean, the value here is probably to hear the experience of a first-time writer. I, uh, I think the the CEO of the company who helps people like me would probably be interested in the journey that I'm on. So I'm recording these things. And that's the thing about writing is that like, I don't know how to, how this is. I mean, I don't have, I'm getting, I'm learning as I go. So anyways, I had about 60 pages added at out of 125 halfway yesterday and I got to 90. So 30 pages more. So I'm now 40 pages short of the deadline. So I estimate about four to five hours of me sitting there. And I usually like to do one hour chunks of doing it, take a break, come back. And it's not, so the very beginning, very, very, very beginning of this process, and that's the trick about coaching people is she knows, other people know the whole process. But when you're coaching, it's kind of like, yeah, she could tell me about how this is going to be this stage, but I'm not there yet. So why talk about it, right? So um, I'm going through it now. We'll see how this goes. I just want to give you and the world a great 
a great read book reading experience a, a, a slightly different look at this whole thing and uh, <laughs> and I don't want I don't want followers right I want I would like to have perhaps maybe fans people that appreciate what I have to say and then but more importantly adopted adopt something to themselves of a framework of of uh, walking in their calling and and many times i feel like wow this has been a painful life's journey and it's like why why did i not learn this like 40 years ago yeah but then i think you know probably a lot of people millions are in my situation too just not learning uh what the i don't know i just i just i just did a diversion on some german stuff no surprise there right <laughs> german bud's having a good walk it's, it's pleasant outside that's the, the setting i'm in i'm not in a studio with a like high hd mic with a big big mic and i'm not just sitting in a chair all perky i'm walking my dog people right bud we're just walking did you poop again bud holy cow bud a two-bagger today bud you are you are getting well fed bud that's for sure so this is not a podcast in the studio with a script with a objective with a call to action well at least a click the button call to action maybe that's coming these are like episodes below zero episodes like instead of episode one two three these are like on the other side of the origin episodes so maybe the episodes will change dramatically to call to actions and fun stuff like that. But right now you get the walking the bud, the Arizona schnoodle, cute black dog, who went with me last night to In-N-Out Burger, by the way. And In-N-Out Burger is kind of a Western USA cultural phenomenon. I don't know if it made it up to Colorado or Texas. But it's a uh, it's a comfort food, and uh, the guys the guys uh, they enjoyed Bud. Bud was in there sticking his head out the window. He didn't bark, so that was nice. But he's so cute. Oh yeah, Bud is so cute. <laughs> As we talk about the deep meanings of life. Which brings me back to the Germans, the Germans. So not surprising I had an emotional morning doing some journaling. And I'm thinking about 
Ingrid Jarmatz, my communist German teacher, who's very quite nice person. She's probably in her late seventies now. Not sure, but I really enjoyed having her as my teacher. Very smart woman, and. Never spoke English. Never spoke English with me, which is perfect, right? If I'm, I'm going to learn German, I better just do it. So she spoke Russian, but I didn't. I didn't. I didn't delve into the Russian aspects. But so I would have class maybe two or three times a week. And we were out in the former East Germany, about 10 miles from uh, West Berlin. And it was all new. I mean, the, the wall had just come down and there was reunifying the country. And I know a lot of people just couldn't give a crap about this stuff. This is the danger of telling stories. But I just realized, you know, that is my story. And there's some deep um, thoughts that I developed from that. And, and can I translate them to, to your life, to your whatever, to your experience? But I, I kind of lived it. And I'm like, I didn't know. I was like, it's like Forrest Gump. It's like, how did I get here? You know? And Ingrid was my teacher. How'd that happen? I don't know. Just coincident. She's kicked out of the Humboldt Universität, which is like the top East German university. Her husband was the professor of literature, teaching the top students of East Germany, the most intellectual students. And I don't know if Sylvia was a student of theirs or what but there was a connection the band of brothers the genossen as they said the comrades so it turns out there were 13 million east germans living a really we would say fucked up experience for 50 years and yet ingrid seemed to be able to find joy in any circumstances. And it's quite an admirable capability. And there's very few people on the planet that can demonstrate that. So she calls me her hero. And I don't know, maybe it's because I recognize um, the spirit of her joy in amazingly crazy circumstances. So you realize they were like at the top of the 13 million pyramid intellectuals supporting the, the, the philosophical uh, bent of 
what their country now had to deal with. And the recall the separation of East and West Germany was not a choice that they just simply made up and they go, hey, this is a good idea. It was the result of World War II and the Russians and the Americans and the British and the French deciding, well, let's just divide the country. That'll screw these guys up for a while. <laughs> and I chuckle because like, that's pretty much what it did. I mean, they were a whole, there was probably never such a homogeneous country as like 1940 Germany. So homogeneous that they were able to do and perform and get away with the most awful stuff to other human beings. And why were they doing it? It's like, it's crazy what they were doing. We would say, you got to be kidding me. And yet, and I, and I admit, I was fearful. The first six months I lived there, I was like, what am I, what the heck? What am I doing in this country? And I, I just came to appreciate the culture, the people, the history, and be, just developed a huge forgiveness for their past, whatever that means. It's like, it's not, it's not a, I came to realize it's not a collective sin. It's not a collective, the German word, again, is Sippenhoff, which is like guilt by association. So never before was such a people so found to be so guilty and paid a huge price for it collectively with all the destruction. And I suppose at the same time you had the Japanese in a similar vein. But that's for some reason the Japanese weren't so systematically, as far as I can tell, maybe people have made parallels to the Japanese view of the Chinese, for example. And there probably are some parallels there, but this podcast is only about another 15 minutes long, so... I won't go there, but we, we always fit in what we, what we fit in, don't we? Right. Yeah. This, uh, this podcast is not a neat and tidy podcast. Yeah, we, we, uh, we take on more than it's possible to cover probably. So here we are. And uh, Sippenhoff, Ingrid, and uh, she's done well, and uh, 13 million, and switched to, okay, no longer a professor teaching literature at this Humboldt University, my husband's booted out because we're communists and we're not doing communism anymore. So move on, people. Let's move on. Not an easy thing to do. 
So eventually I stumble onto Victor Klemperer, who's the the Jewish guy who was married to a Protestant in Dresden. And he wrote a book, I Will Bear Witness. And it's kind of like his diary of all the crap that was going on in Dresden from 1933. So his life was boom. The dude was elected in 33. The war wasn't for seven years later and this dude's life impacted, right? So, yeah, so um, that's Victor Klemper. Tough read, really, for me, tough read. I, I, I wanted more relationship commentary, but the guy kind of just bitches about stuff. So, <laughs> sound familiar? Don't we all just bitch about stuff? And hey, who had reason to bitch about stuff but a Jew that got kicked out of his job as well? And uh, I guess there's a little parallel there with Ingrid. Of course, she got booted out by sipping hot reasons. I'm sure her and her husband could have been like, hey, Matt, we're just doing what the system told. We can still teach literature. I mean, good to... Goethe is Goethe, man. Goethe wasn't a communist. He was a German. <laughs> so we can still teach about Goethe and Nietzsche and all the other German writers. So don't kick us out, man. But anyways, they did. And similarly, Victor Klemper. But he was in a peculiar situation with his life continued because he was married to a Protestant woman. And I wanted to hear more about his wife. And I guess I was disappointed, but there you go, women, for all you women listeners out there. Um, I think I may have mentioned it before. The, this guy, his, his whole life is dependent on this woman and he kind of seems to bitch about all kinds of stuff which that is probably the universal life of a woman right whether you're a, whether you're in nazi germany or not so there you go that's victor klemper which which oddly brought me to the other Victor that uh, I've read recent recently is the Victor Frankel. So Victor Frankel has written a book on the meaning of life. And he is a character because he's a psychiatrist who was Jewish in Vienna and uh, not married to a Christian woman. So he unfortunately was sent to concentration camps. But miraculously, he survived it all. Very odd, right? And it turns out, I think, one in 28 people survived. And he was there for a couple years. So his book is a little bit, you know, he points out these moments 
in his two or three years, might have been four years incarceration, because he was serving. He was, uh, you know, they they use these people to do stuff. So for whatever reason, he was healthy enough or was useful enough to uh, let's keep this guy around. <laughs> just, just so sad, right? What a what an existence. What an existence. But yeah. Let's keep this guy around. He didn't try hard. He didn't, he just kind of, I, I guess I would describe it. He just kind of took one day at a time. Kind of laid low. And uh, there's lessons in there for me. You know? So, um, I'm, I guess I'm laying low right now. I'm walking my dog. Talking about world-changing spiritual issues. And nobody knows what I'm doing, right? It's just a sunny Sunday morning, February 16th. And I mentioned February because like, it's going to be hot. And I won't be doing this much longer. And that's okay because it's going to get hot. Probably until June 1st. So we got March, April, and May. So three more months of beauty. And we had a good four months of nice stuff. We had October, November, December, January. We've already had four months of pretty good, pretty good way of living. So Victor Frankel, I uh, I just dropped nine ninety five or whatever for the German, a German version of his book. Because in the English version, they translate it, they simplify his three points. And in the German version, it gets a little, it's very simple in English. We can find meaning in our creating things, creating work, creating value, some would say, or doing things. Or it's with creating relationships or having relationships that's meaningful and the third is our attitude towards unavoidable suffering that actually can bring meaning to life and it's probably symbolic to this podcast as i walk the concrete sidewalks of this desert and that is, yeah, we all have unavoidable suffering. And may I have a good attitude? What's a good attitude towards suffering? I, guess, I suppose that we all do it. And it's probably best. It's kind of weird. It's like best to be silent about it in a way. It's like, I guess it's because it's easy for me to whine and complain and uh, my my unavoidable suffering is different than yours. So if I dump and complain or whine about suffering, it's like after a few minutes, and I can talk, by the way, if you haven't noticed, uh, I end up repeating myself because I have some pain, right? And we all have some pain. 
and it's in our head. So if I, if I, I can find meaning, it's weird. It's like, I'm still grappling with this finding meaning in the unavoid in the attitude of the unavoidable suffering. And it's kind of weird. It's like counterintuitive. It's like being silent. It's like listening to somebody else's unavoidable suffering. And instead of dismissing it, somehow counsel, console, I don't know what the word is. But it's, we all have it. So at some point, I think what typically happens in communication is, it's like, dude, I don't want to hear your unavoidable suffering. Somehow we have to get an attitude of overcoming it, dealing with it, what have you. And it's painful because quite often the most positive thing we can do is be silent about it. Talk about a challenge for me. Being silent about unavoidable suffering. And in many cases, it's true that shared suffering, shared problems make the problems easier. So there's a dilemma. And I suppose it comes down to knowing who can you share this suffering with and who you can't. So, yeah, that's it. Is it it? Is that it? I'm not sure if that's it or not. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's it's part of it. It's not all of it, but it's definitely a portion of it. And uh, I don't know, do I have 15 minutes left to go? It's been a pretty good walk. Bud's getting a good walk, and uh, so probably. I've been thinking things over, ruminating, perhaps too much, some would say. But who's to say what's too much? It's in, I'm just doing a podcast, right? So I ain't going to walk the dog anyway. Right, bud? We got to walk you anyway. So let's talk it out. So I'm going to write today, probably four to five hours. Let's wrap this thing up, make it, push it to the next stage. It's copyright editing, copy editing next, whatever, whatever that is. But I think I know some of it. And I'm just going to learn as we go. So if you've thought about writing a book and perhaps I'm uh, attempting a rather challenging book because it's nonfiction. So nonfiction typically has an expectation of truth-telling. And I believe I'm telling the truth, but it's these pesky religious people (laughs) that, that can 
take anything and find the other side. And I'm one of them, right? So, you know, uh, I'm looking in the mirror. Uh, and maybe that's the best part about me trying to write this book is I have to look in the mirror and recognize my own pesky things. But I think it's great value. Um, and maybe, maybe very few people even need to deal with what I'm uh, dealing with. And maybe it's my, I have some unavoidable suffering going on. And maybe this book is kind of my way of dealing with my unavoidable suffering. And instead of ranting, which I have a little bit, I'm trying to make sure it's quote unquote positive, actionable, call to action, do something. I want that in there. And yet, yeah, yeah, it's there. So I want to jumpstart. I, I don't know. It's probably going to be 10, 11. Maybe I can get a couple hours in and have a lunch. But I have to, I do have to monitor my emotions. I don't know if it's my, my emotions or just my, my use of time. It is Sunday. And in some, to some extent, I feel like... I have lots of time, right? But it, writing is drains, is draining, especially with a a topic that I'm working on, um, which is just you know something new from from 500 years ago. It's just a little little thing. Just a just a recommendation that we stop doing what we've been doing for 500 years. And going go in a different direction. Just a minor, minor recommendation. <laughs> you know, so that that yeah, that's pretty simple, right? Let's let's change what we've been doing for 500 years and go in another direction. But it's more of a collective. Um, I think people have live the way I suggest for for 2,000 years. It's just they've been overrun by others, let's say, who wish to claim the mantle of leaders, leaders, teachers, right? Yeah, I don't know how this is going to land. On the one hand, uh, I vacillate. Like, this is going to be a dud <laughs> to, to world-changing, world-changing ideas. As a Toyota pickup truck drives by, a Tundra. There you go. That's 2020. That's something Paul doesn't see. That's something Martin Luther never saw was a Japanese pickup truck. And why did the Japanese make it? Well, one, they make great engines and they make cars and they have the Toyota quality system, the TQS. So TQS produces good products. 
And Martin Luther never saw that, nor King David. But it's part of life. It's our 2020 life. So how do we integrate uh, the living God into that? Or, well, really, the living God is probably already in it. So somehow he's in there. It's good to have quality, but we never will get perfection. And I kind of need to check on the time here. Oh, 44 minutes. So I should be home in less than 10. So I'll, I'll try to pick up the pace a bit. And remember, it, maybe it's, I mean, some people don't like to do 2x speed, but really just go for it. Because I, I don't know where the gems are going to be hidden. There's some gems hidden in these podcasts, but I don't know where where they're going to come from. In fact, I probably need other people to tell me where these gems are at because I just let ideas fly out from my brain into my mouth because someone told me people should pay me to hear what's going on in my head. <laughs> I, just, I just love that, right? People should pay me to hear what's going on inside my head. So I take that as they. Some people enjoy what that, what I have to say. So that's that's a good sign. And probably this book is going to help me, right? So back to the book. I, I don't know where it's how it's going to land, but uh, it's going to go out. I'm kind of committed now. I'm just going to do it. It's scary, right? I'm really putting myself out there. And uh, we'll see what happens. And uh, I think I've, the, the basic flavor, I haven't practiced describing the book in 30 seconds in a while. But uh, I would say we've, We've gotten away, I mean, naturally, there's a lot of organized religious leadership control and guidance to what this life uh, lived in freedom looks like. Freedom and a spirit that's existence and mysteriously. And we've got, we've put men and women and organizations in the way of a powerful God. And so it comes from walking in the spirit each day. So for me, I guess, you know, if I come across a religious leader who's asking me questions, I suppose I need to pause and think hard about what to say. Although I do believe that, um, God will give us the words to say. So I'm not stressed out over it. But probably I need to be more patient and pause and think a bit before I speak. So, and that's that's walking in the Spirit. And that's 
that's a great relationship, right, with God. That's how we relate to God is pausing and not expecting anything from others. I, I don't know where the expectations for others come from, but we put a, put a lot of expectations on um, church people. Church people put a lot of expectations on themselves. And I mean, there are some fundamental ones, you know, but there aren't that many, you know, when they had to debate over circumcision, they basically said, well, you know, you know Gentiles, yeah, we're not going to, you don't have to do circumcision, but just try to be moral people, you know, be good people. And it was actually pretty specific to sexual morality. I mean, because you can, if you do just general morality, it's kind of like, well, you drive your car like a jerk, so that's not very moral, you know? And, uh, but it's kind of like, nah, it's pretty specific. Just be sexually moral people. Not, not German moral, because like, the, the, in many ways, the Germans are super super moral I was having that conversation the other day with someone that owned an Audi because Germans do make great cars you know it's because they drive as fast as they want kind of changes things you know so when you can drive as fast as you want uh, not only does the car better be capable but everybody's kind of sticking to some some rules you know so um, there's some moral the Germans have a lot more quote unquote moral rules about life living in public and uh, I'm sure I violated many of them violated whatever I call it I did my best and my intentions were never to purposely do that. But it's just fun to see the cultural differences. So what do I, what was I saying? The, you put all these, they call them boundary markers a lot. Like this means you're in. If you stay within this boundary, you're in. If you go outside this boundary, you're out. And, oh, you can't, that guy looks like he's pushing the boundaries. going, oh, you know, stay in the middle. You know, here's, we got these lanes. Stay in the lane. And it's like, oh, really? Is that, is that what God's called us to do is to uh, follow other men's opinions? So this is like a pep talk to keep going in my book and not worry about what other people think and just do it. And why? Because there's 7 billion people on the planet and quote-unquote this message I've been given is probably will resonate with others. And I got to learn to turn off, put the blinders on, and just go this direction. And what's the benefit? Peace. I'd say peace, joy, love, patience, Kindness, gentleness, 
can I live it? And I know I struggle with getting excited. So with some friends around me to keep me in check, I'll probably do better. But it's important that every one of us um, stop comparing ourselves to others. It's so hard. It's perhaps a lifelong struggle. And we got to go back to the witty Witham. It's the hear the voice. Talk. That's what prayer is, talking to God. And following him and him meaning Jesus and but more I, I think I saw it yesterday was it's actually uh, Jesus talks directly to Peter before the ascension that Peter is to follow him and again parsing the language Peter doesn't fully understand this Holy Spirit Jesus talked about it but again he says things earlier tells it's coming but peter doesn't know what it's like because he hasn't experienced it yet so i was my view is that we don't necessarily quote unquote follow jesus anymore we actually follow the holy spirit maybe that's the name of this podcast do we follow jesus or do we follow the Holy Spirit? Or are both true? Or can two things be true? And I'd say two things can be true. So I think that's a good title. If I can, about five minutes from home. Let's see if I can keep that in my brain till I get home. And uh, so Woody Whiffham, what is that to you? What is that to you? You follow me. I think that's a very powerful message. I have to apply it to myself. And I think we all, wherever we're at on this planet, in our circumstances, it's following, following him, following the spirit in our relationships. And I'm, hey, I'm transforming. So, I know you'd like a, a guru or somebody who's like super smart about this stuff, but I'm not. I'm, uh, I'm on this journey too. And uh, Buddy paused because we thought we saw an animal here. It looks more like a... Is that an animal or is that... What is that? can't tell. It looks like a piece of cloth or and burned up. Well, let's keep going, bud. So, nearing the end of the podcast, do we follow Jesus? Do we follow the Holy Spirit? Or are they one and the same? Maybe that's it. Sort of, can if I say two things are true, that's a little more complicated. <laughs> So it's probably better, or are they one and the same? So, folks, it's Sunday, almost home, and uh, got some writing to do. 
going to kick it back over to a guy who's working with me very well. I appreciate his working on this. And I want it to be a useful book. And uh, I got plenty of stories to go along with what I'm talking about, but the stories get distracted in the book. So I just want to get this core book out and then we'll see what happens. I think there's a lot more, a lot more beneficial messaging here, but I just got to get this done. So we're going to do it. We're going to see what happens. There might be a week. There might be a week between podcasts where I'm struggling with some kind of emotional issue and other circumstances in my life. I didn't even talk about my mother's moving to a smaller apartment in her assisted living at 94. And I had three job interviews in the last week. And I had various personal reactions to them, even though I got no feedback from those three jobs. But they're something I need to deal with, which I didn't talk about. And we got the house on short-term, like VRBO, home away network for rentals. And we're actually getting some action, some action and traction on that which would be also nice. So, bud, here you go. You want to go in, bud? So there's things changing. So we made it home. And I think we're just under an hour. 58 minutes. So we all need grace and we need the mercy. I think I'm getting some mercy already. Probably more than I know. And peace. Amen.